Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, before we get into today's story, I do have some housekeeping things to get through. First of all, thank you to all the people who've donated to the podcast through the Buy Me A Coffee page. It's a huge help and I love getting the little messages from all of you from around Australia and and around the world. It's just been really lovely getting them over the holiday period. So thank you very much. Uh, Second thing to deal with, uh, back in episode 71, a a listener emailed me and reminded me about this. I said that I would be doing a live storytelling show in Sydney, Australia. Uh, That didn't happen. Uh, (laughs) As you know, it's been a crazy year. Uh, The theatre basically fell through at the last minute. So I was really disappointed. No one was more disappointed than me. But I took the deposit that they returned to me and I immediately spent it on another deposit for a different theatre for next year. So... I am determined for that show to go ahead next year. So next December 2022, uh, hopefully I will be doing a live storytelling show then. All right. The third thing, I should tell you when my books are coming out because people ask about it all the time. Uh, Friday Barnes 10, the new Friday Barnes book is going to come out on February the 1st. That's the one where it's mainly set in Norway and it's going to be exciting. There'll be polar bears and snowmobile chases. It's going to be pretty cool. I'm excited about that. So it's only just over a month away now. And uh, shockingly good stories uh, that, (laughs) well, obviously shockingly good stories one has already come out that came out earlier this year and uh, it's the book based on this podcast, but it did so well that they want to do a second book. So Shockingly Good Stories 2, which I might even actually rename it and call it like Fantastically Good Stories. Or Anyway, there's going to be a book based on this podcast with more stories uh, that will come out in June 2022. Okay, so that's all the news. Now, all the boring stuff's out of the way. Let's get into today's story. The Legend of Sisyphus as told by Nanny Pickens. Derek, Samantha and Michael had just got home from school. They'd finished the seven helpings of pancakes Nanny Pickens had made for their afternoon tea, and this was when they usually tried to sneak in their homework, while their nanny was too drowsy from eating to object. She didn't approve of homework. She thought it was bad enough that the school forced children to do work while they were at school. She didn't see why they should ruin home time as well. But Derek had a problem, and he was hoping his nanny could help him. Nanny Piggins, do you know anything about an ancient Greek king called Sisyphus? asked Derek. Why do you ask, my dear boy? asked Nanny Piggins. Have the police put you up to this? Have they got dirt on you, and they've promised you leniency if you squeal? No, said Derek in alarm. He had never been in trouble with the police. Well, not unless his nanny caused it. The thought of being in that level of trouble horrified him. "'Because snitches get stitches,' said Nanny Piggins. "'And that's not a threat. "'That's just a statistical analysis of that specific demographic. "'I think it's because snitches are so busy being busybodies "'they're more likely to trip over or bang their head on something. 
No, it's just that we're studying Sisyphus this week at school, said Derek. We've got an exam on him tomorrow. But my teacher, when he taught us about him, he made the story so boring I fell asleep. This probably wasn't helped by the fact that Nanny Pickens had kept the children up half the night before baking Argentinian alfajores biscuits filled with delicious dulce de leche. Then the other half of the night eating them. It's so hard to stay awake on a stomach full of delicious South American baked goods. The adventures of Sisyphus are a crackingly good swashbuckling tale, said Nanny Piggins, but your teacher has got one of the main details wrong already. They have, said Derek. Oh, yes. Sisyphus, the famous character from ancient Greek mythology, was not a king, said Nanny Piggins. She was a queen. Really, said Derek. It's amazing how often that happens, said Michael. I know, agreed Nanny Piggins. And was she perhaps a distant relative of yours, asked Samantha. Well, she was a woman so legendarily crafty and brilliant. She tricked death not once, but twice, said Nanny Piggins. So of course she was a Piggins. You'd better tell us the whole story, said Michael. Well, it all started with Zeus, the king of the gods, you know, and he was being a very naughty boy, said Nanny Piggins. Great Aunt Sisyphus was hanging out at her palace, ruling her country brilliantly, when Zeus flew over. I'm not entirely sure what his means of transportation was, whether he had a flying chariot or a flying horse or a flying giraffe or he just flew like a superhero. So you can imagine whatever you like. Can I imagine a flying wombat, asked Michael. Please do, said Nanny Piggins. That sounds like fun. I do like a wombat. Let's all imagine that. So Zeus was flying through the sky on his wombat at breakneck pace because he just kidnapped a beautiful young woman. What? exclaimed Samantha. I know, it's dreadful, isn't it? said Nanny Piggins. But Zeus carried on like that all the time. This was the ancient story days, and they had very odd ideas about appropriate behaviour back then. You could tell none of these gods had ever been raised properly by a pig who knew what she was doing. You don't know what you're doing as a nanny, said Michael, and you're the best nanny in the world. True, very true, agreed Nanny Piggins. And just imagine how much better I'd be if I had training and job experience. I'd be dangerously good. I'd be like the Pied Piper of Hamlin. I'd be able to control all the children of the world with my supreme childcare techniques. So it's probably for the best that I just wing it with my natural talent. I wouldn't want the power to go to my head. Nanny Piggins chomped on an alfajores biscuit she'd just found down the side of the couch as she considered this. Um, you were telling us about Sisyphus, Derek reminded her. Oh, yes. So Sisyphus sees Zeus whiz through the sky on his jet-powered wombat, said Nanny Piggins, and doesn't think much about it. Until five minutes later, when the king from the next-door kingdom comes galloping up on his horse, all puffed and angry, saying, Hey, Sisyphus, have you seen Zeus? He just kidnapped my daughter. Sisyphus didn't give it much thought. She just had some delicious honey cookies and was about to take a nap. I told you she was really wise. The secret to being royalty is this sort of time management. Anyway, as she drifted off, she said, Oh, sure, he went that way, pointing out the direction she'd seen Zeus depart. Thanks, called the other king, as he tore off to rescue his daughter. Was he successful, asked Samantha? At what? asked Nanny Piggins. Rescuing his daughter? asked Samantha. Oh, yes, said Nanny Piggins. When he caught up with him, he gave Zeus a real piece of his mind, telling him that he should be ashamed of himself stealing girls and racing across the sky. Wombats don't have seatbelts, you know. It just isn't a safe or responsible way to carry on. 
So the king took his daughter and went home, and Zeus was left feeling very sulky. Like all people who have been caught out doing something very wrong, they don't like feeling ashamed of themselves, so they immediately convert that emotion into something more fun for them. Anger. Zeus got really angry with Sisyphus for dobbing him in. And being a god, the king of the gods in fact, Zeus was a really dangerous person to annoy. He summoned death. Now, you have to understand that back in the ancient story days, death was actually a person. When you died, you didn't just die the way people do now. This person called death came and fetched you and took you off to the afterlife. So Zeus sent for death and ordered him to capture Sisyphus and take her to the afterlife, said Nanny Piggins. Like when the school rings you to come and fetch us, said Michael, if we've just been sick in the teacher's waste paper bin. This had happened to Michael just the previous week, after eating three dozen jammy dodgers, then playing a very vigorous game of handball. Exactly, said Nanny Piggins, except death doesn't take you home to lie down and sip lemonade with a lovely slice of medicinal lemon cake. No, death takes you to the underworld. No one knows what that's like because no one has ever come back from there. But you can assume it's miserable. No TV reception, no Wi-Fi access, and absolutely no chocolate cake. Oh my goodness, that sounds horrific, wailed Boris. Exactly, said Nanny Piggins. So good old Aunt Sisyphus was not keen to go. When Death turned up on her doorstep, she was seriously reluctant. Now, Death actually got quite a bit of this. As you can imagine, if all you do all day is turn up on people's doorsteps and haul them off to the afterlife, people are not going to be happy to see you. They're going to be even more reluctant to go with you. And Death was busy, what with all the wars they were constantly having in the ancient story times, so he didn't mess about. When he turned up to lead someone away, he brought chains. He would chain their hands and drag them away. So, when Sisyphus opened her front door, Death reached forward with his chains to capture Sisyphus' wrists. But as I said earlier, Sisyphus was a legendary cunning genius. So as Death reached forward, she didn't run or plead for mercy. No, she said, Oh, they're lovely chains you've got there. May I have a look at them? Now, you see, no one was ever polite to death or asked death about his work or inquired about anything he did. So it was really lovely for death to have someone take an interest. Oh, yes, they're high carbon steel, said death. The absolute finest. We've got a really top notch ironworks down in Hades. Have a look at the craftsmanship. Sisyphus reached out and took the chain in her own hands. I see. This lock looks particularly strong, she said, trying the key in the padlock. Excellent mechanism. Absolutely, agreed Death. No one can get out of that. Really, said Sisyphus. Let's see if that's true. And quick as a wink, she locked the chains around Death's wrists. Hey, what are you doing, protested Death. I'm going to throw you in my dungeon, said Sisyphus, and see how you like living all eternity in misery. And that is how she tricked death, said Nanny Piggins. Oh, clever, said Derek. Yes, but possibly too clever, said Nanny Piggins. You see, with death locked up, no one could die, which sounds like a good thing. But it did make battles and wars very confusing and difficult. And the ancient Greeks loved their wars, so it ruined it totally if no one ever won because no one ever died. As you can imagine, when Zeus found out, he was furious. He freed death and ordered him to take Sisyphus off to the afterlife straight away. There was no getting out of it this time. 
Poor Sisyphus, said Michael. This is a horrible story, well, Boris. Yes, but not too horrible yet, said Nanny Piggins. You see, Sisyphus had another brilliant idea. In the ancient story days, to pass into the afterlife, you had to cross over the river Styx on a boat. And to do that, you had to pay the boatman. So everyone who died had coins placed on their eyes during the funeral, so they could use these coins to pay the boatman. Sisyphus had a brilliant idea. She told her husband, don't put coins on my eyes. The husband was confused, but she urged him to take the money and buy himself something nice instead. He liked the sound of that. So she went off to the afterlife without a cent on her. When she got to the river Styx, the boatman held out his hand for payment and Sisyphus said, sorry, I don't have any coins or cash. Do you take credit card? The boatman shook his head. Apple Pay, asked Sisyphus. PayPal? The boatman shook his head more. Do you take traveller's checks, asked Sisyphus. Bitcoin? How about a used bus ticket? I only take coins, said the boatman. Oh dear, said Sisyphus. My husband didn't give me any at the funeral. Gosh, I'm cross with him. I'd like to give him a piece of my mind. I am so sick of this, said the boatman. People coming down here expecting a free ride. How am I supposed to pay my mortgage and feed my children when so many of the dead people who come down here want to get across for nothing? Oh, that's outrageous, agreed Sisyphus. I'll tell you what, if you let me go back, I'll give my husband a good telling off. I'll really tear strips off him. You do that, urged the boatman. Take a stand. Tell him from me it's just not good enough. So Sisyphus returned to the world, having cheated death for a second time. Very crafty, said Michael. Yes, when Zeus found out about it, he practically had an aneurysm. Sisyphus knew she'd pushed her luck too far and was fully expecting to be taken off by death once and for all. But Zeus was so angry now, he decided death was too good for Sisyphus. He was determined to think of something worse. Worse than death, asked Michael. Oh yes, said Nanny Piggins. He thought really hard and came up with the most horrible punishment he could imagine. He cursed Sisyphus so that she would have to spend all eternity pushing a really big rock up a hill. And every time she got to the top, the boulder would just roll back down and she'd have to start all over again. The children thought about this. That sounds bad, said Derek. But really, that was the absolute worst Zeus could think of? Yes, said Nanny Piggins. It's a lot worse than it sounds. I'll explain why. You see, once Zeus's cleaner at Mount Olympus had gone on holiday, she'd taken a lovely cruise with her sister around the Caribbean. Anyway, during that week, Zeus had to do all the housework on Mount Olympus for himself. All the cooking, all the cleaning, and all the laundry. And during that week, he learned that there is nothing more miserable than doing the same meaningless task over and over again without end. And that was just one week. So to spend all eternity doing something like that would be unbearable. And so that was how Sisyphus was punished. Oh, poor Sisyphus, said Samantha. Oh, you don't have to feel sorry for us, said Nanny Piggins. That's just where the ancient Greek story ends. The real story didn't end there. She was a Piggins, after all. Well, what really happened next, asked Derek.
Sisyphus built a robot who looked exactly like her and really loved doing repetitive tasks, and then let the robot push the boulder up the mountain day after day, said Nanny Piggins, while she went off to have a lovely life working as an assistant in a cake shop. She never held down any one job for long because she kept getting in trouble for eating all the cake, said Nanny Piggins. Greeks are very good at making cakes. But she had a very happy life moving from town to town eating. The end. Time for bed. Nanny Piggins, said Samantha, it's only 4.30 in the afternoon. So it is, said Nanny Piggins, glancing at her wristwatch. Then it's time for second afternoon tea. I bake chocolate muffins. First one to the kitchen gets to stuff as many as they'd like in their mouths at once. And with that, she took off running. The end. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.